In commercials, stress is just part of the job. Anyone who cares about their job is going to be stressed out, I think, at some point. Before every shoot, I can't sleep or I'll, I'll wake up in the middle of the night, you know, just going through everything that I should have done. But it's all just part of the job. And like you have the opportunity to learn from every situation. And production, it's like a sprint and a marathon in one race. As long as you stay focused, you can see yourself to the finish. Hey everyone, welcome to Call Sheet, a podcast about film production and the boots on the ground work of Below the Line crew. If you work in physical production in any department, this show's for you. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome back, folks, and thanks for listening to Call Sheet. Once again, we're your hosts, Bryce Sirier and Kiku Terasaki. What's up, Kiku? Hey, Bryce. So we've been talking a lot about feature production on the show so far. Today, Kiku, we're going to shift and discuss commercials. We'll be talking with a production supervisor named Denny Rubianis about how his mind works. How does he lead the crew, deal with vendors, manage all the logistics of a shoot, and keep each department on track and under budget? Denny's been a production supervisor for over 10 years, working with national brands like Sony, Nike, Peloton, all the car brands you could imagine, and household name talent, including Michelle Obama, Britney Spears, Jay-Z, and Jeff Bridges, just to name a few. Now, I've worked with Denny several times over the years and can personally attest to this guy's professionalism, positivity, and attention to detail. So we're really looking forward to hearing what he has to say about his role in production and how he manages the key relationships around him to get things done. Welcome to the show, Denny. Thanks, Bryce. That was a great introduction. I appreciate that. Of course, dude. We're happy to have you with us today. So can you tell us about how you got started in the business and how you've seen the landscape for commercial shift over the years? Well, you know, I started out in commercials, probably worked for about three or four months when I received an opportunity to work on a Quentin Tarantino film called Death Proof. Of course, I jumped at the chance. And, you know, when the job wrapped, went back into commercials. I mean, like commercials and films are completely different monsters. But I just like the idea of working on a job for three weeks and then a whole new crew comes. I like to be around people and working with different people all the time. It's a lot of fun. I totally agree with you. It's only three days or it's only five days. Although you work really hard and work really fast because you don't have to conserve your energy like people do on features or especially on series. Right. You know, when I first started, I remember we would prep for three weeks, four weeks for a four-day shoot. Now, if you get 10 days, it's kind of a blessing. The prep time is so much shorter. Let me ask you also, what's kind of shocking to me, the budgets have not gone up. Is that your observation as well? Definitely. When I first started, I remember seeing three-day shoots and the budgets were like $800,000. Now you get three-day shoots and they're like not even 500 grand. So you're doing the same amount of shoot days with way less of a budget. This is a side issue, but who makes more money in a day rate? People in commercials, people in TV series, people on studio features? Uh, commercials. Who works fastest? Commercials. <laughs> no hesitation at all. You're a man after my own heart. <laughs> well, I always like to create a little controversy. 
it's funny too because they're you know like commercials are the redheaded stepchild of all of the entertainment right um but i think that in commercials they really work fast and work hard they really do get a lot of things done in a in a short amount of time so let's talk about how you see your role you're a production supervisor in the commercial space how do you see that fitting into the big picture of the production um as a production supervisor i think my primary job is to work with the producer and the production team. I take over all the logistical things like hiring crew and vendors. So basically, I'm like a wedding planner for commercials. I love That's it. That's a great analogy. Who's the bride? <laughs> That's a good question. I guess the uh, I guess the client would be the bride. Uh, who's the parents? The parents would probably be agency. Got it. Where's the director in all of this? The director, I guess, would be the groom. <laughs> yes. So so let us into that process a little as that wedding planner type figure. Every project's different, of course, but take us through the, the beginning of a, a project. You show up for the kickoff meeting or the phone call. What's on your mind? What's first on your list of to-dos? Well, after the kickoff meeting, I would have a wrap-down meeting with the producer. You know, I just ask him, what are your expectations for me, like, how can I help you get through this job? Like, what are you expecting out of me? Because as long as communication is open on both ends, you know, from me to the producer and the producer to me, then it, it makes the job go much more smoothly. And then I know the producer has talked with the head of production or the executive producers prior to me jumping on board. So I try to find out what we were up against, what kind of road bumps we were going to have and whatnot. Like, what should I know or what should I prepare for? Because it, it's always better for me to know, like, everything that's going to happen uh, before it happens. So I'm not, like, shocked and saying, like, hey, wait a minute. I didn't know that we were going to have, you know, extra people that the talent's bringing along. And do we have to feed them? And and, you know, are they insured on the job as well? And there's just all a, a lot of questions that you need to, to flesh out before the job happens. I have an AD friend who says when he sits down to schedule a movie, give me the, all the bad news. Exactly. Yeah. I like to know the bad news as well because it helps me to, like, knock out those problems first because those are going to take the most time. And if I can take care of all the hurdles that are coming my way then it makes the run to the finish line much easier. Something we're finding is that everybody in production, no matter what kind of production they're working on, is all about solving problems, getting it done. Solving problems, yes, that's right. What are some of the key relationships that help you solve those problems? Well, I, me, myself, I like to get in real good with the accounting department because they... <laughs> They will make or break your job. When push comes to shove and you have your back against the wall and you need to check for a location in two hours, if you have a good relationship with them, they're going to do what they can for you to get that check cut. If it's a big company, they'll assign you a person in the accounting department. But I usually go with the lead accountant for the job and then the controller just to, you know, say hi to the controller so they know who I am when I pop up there and, you know, just want to make my presence known. Do you want to tell our audience the difference? 
Oh, yeah. So the lead accountant on your job would be someone who you would go to for like POs and time cards and uh, credit card authorizations and things like that. The controller is like their boss who runs all the finances for the production company. So I like to have a good relationship with the accounting department and I always read the production manual before the second day of work because by reading the production manual I can go to the accounting department and say hey according to your production manual it says blah 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 and they can tell that I went out of my way to read that and a lot of time most of the time they'll even thank me for reading the book first before asking them questions. So it's like more brownie points from the accounting department. So every commercial production house has a production manual. What kind of things does it cover? It basically is their Bible. Then you know how the production company works, like when they cut checks or who to go to if you have uh, problems that need to be solved. It also will have a list of their accounting procedures, the way that they do things or the way that they, you know, wrap up their jobs. Mm -hmm. They want it set up a certain way. And so in the production manual, it'll tell you where to go for their template for their wrap binders. I mean, everyone's moving away from wrap binders, but that's where you would go to get that information. It'll have their vendor list as well, like where they want you to rent trucks from or who their preferred vendors for catering are or their craft service person. It has a lot of their the things that they would prefer you to use first. And then if it's not covered in their manual, I usually ask them if it's okay to go to a vendor that I've used before that I have a relationship with that could probably get me a good deal. After that, anybody else that you make sure you get to know and develop a good relationship with within the production company, the director, the anybody from the client or the agency? Well, for me personally, I would say hi to the directors, but I try not to like get too close with them because I don't want them to like come to me for questions because the producer should have that first relationship with them. Right. Sure, I'd like to say hi to them and make my presence known, but I also don't want them to feel like that they could come to me first because it could cause problems later. You know, if they came to me for something and I didn't know that they didn't go to the producer first and all of a sudden I'm handling these things that the producer has no idea what's going on and, and that can cause problems. That's a great point. And, and that doesn't go unnoticed, by the way, from a producer's perspective. On that note, let's, let's flip that. What are some important attributes for producers to have from your perspective to help your working relationship? Right. So for me, I like when producers share all the information with me because, you know, it's a huge nightmare if something big is coming up and you have no idea it's happening. Because if, you know, that head of production of the production company comes up to you and asks you a question about something that the producer doesn't share with you. It doesn't look good. It makes me look uninformed and it makes the producer look like they're not sharing info. So when that happens, how do you handle it? Because basically you're having to manage upwards as opposed to downwards or laterally. It's a fine line you're walking because like going back and and trying to talk to a producer and say like, hey, we need to get some 
information flow going like you know i don't want to step on anyone's toes ever especially as someone that i'm working for so i only do it if i need to do it but i do it like a q and a and not a demand you know what i'm saying like make it happen in conversation and not as a demand Totally. That's such a nuanced aspect of the job. I'm sure lots of people listening have been in that situation too. Things are moving so fast and so much is riding on that flow of communication being optimized as as soon as possible. Right. Yeah. You have so little time to get something done. If if things aren't happening in a smooth flow, it really like slows everything down. So Denny, let's talk about the money. Step us through what is a production bid what it means to be on a firm bid, and what are some key attributes for you to manage the budget effectively? So when I get a bid and it's a firm bid that this is money that's been allocated by the agency to produce this commercial. So anything that we spend above what was given to us, the production company is paying for that. It's our job, it's my job to stay within the budget that's been given to me. So if I go a dollar over, there's no profit. No production company wants me to go over. They never want me to go to zero. They always want me to come under. So that's a challenge because with every budget, there's lines in the budget that says this is how much you have to spend for a crew this is how much you have to spend for equipment this is how much you have to spend for the art department this is how much you have to spend for grip and lighting so my job is to keep all those numbers within those lines when a key gets hired i tell them what they have to spend in their budget like how much is allocated to them and a lot of times they'll say like oh this is great this is will be will be fine Um, And then a lot of times when, like after we go on the tech scout, they find out, oh, we need two extra bodies on this shoot day and an extra body on this shoot day. So now they need three extra bodies that weren't bid. And, you know, we have to go back to the keys and say like, hey, this is all we have in the budget. Somehow we got to figure out where we can cut some of their crew on maybe a day to make up for one of those days. And then maybe we would, you know, have to go back and say like, well, if we're giving you two extra bodies, I'm gonna need you to use less equipment to pay for those two bodies that you need. A lot of times they're willing to do it because it will be worth it to have less lights and those extra bodies. So, uh, you know, it's all a, a fine line. Everyone. Everyone would like to have all the toys for the job and all the crew, but it doesn't always happen because we have to stay in budget. How often do they report to you about this outside of obviously the tech where they discover all kinds of things? But I mean, after that, every day, do they come and say, I think we are over here or tomorrow actually need? Well, I mean, like as, you know, different shoot days go, like I have a conversation with all the keys, like, hey, how's your crew looking for tomorrow? Are there any people that you won't need? I never say like, do you need extra bodies for tomorrow? Like that's, <laughs> I'll let them bring that up to me. But usually I'll ask them if they can cut their crew for the next day. And on the tech scout, I'll know like what they've requested. So I, I kind of know before I ask them, what they have requested, but I'll ask them if they could cut anyone for tomorrow. 
Would you talk about breakage? How does that work? If a department needs extra money, we can go to the agency and say like, hey, you know, you wanted those extra lights for this one scene, but those lights are going to cost $10,000 more than what was bid. So we can get those lights for you at $10,000 more than you have bid for, or we can try a workaround and we can use these lights. It won't be exactly what you wanted, but it'll be close. You know, like tell us what you want us to do. Help us help you do this. I mean, like, obviously we'll try to fix anything internally. If you're talking about a couple hundred dollars of a difference, like, yeah, a lot of times a production company will just eat that and figure out somewhere else in the budget on where to trim it. But if it's something that the client and agency really wanted, but it's it wasn't bid properly, we have to let them know and let them figure out if they really want to go that way or if there is some workaround that everyone can decide on. And then let them have the final decision on you know what they want to do. So we've talked a lot about the fast and furious pace of commercials, the pressure of working on that condensed timeline. What motivates you to push through the stress? What advice would you give to listeners about staying focused and positive no matter what their role is? For me, like I stress out on the job, but like I think I have a good poker face. And so no one knows that I'm stressing. So in commercials, stress is just part of the job. Anyone who cares about their job is going to be stressed out, I think, at some point. Before every shoot, I can't sleep or I'll I'll wake up in the middle of the night, you know, just going through everything that I should have done. Like a lot of times I'll wake up and say like, did I call the caterer? And of course I've called the caterer, but like, it's just stuff that you go through. You're just thinking about until the job actually starts. But anyway, like at some point, everyone will have a bad day. And, you know, sometimes those bad days are really bad days. But everyone should have the wherewithal to step back, look at the situation, and figure out where the problem happened and go back and just know that next time maybe they shouldn't do this or maybe they should go out of their way to do a little extra so that this doesn't happen again. But it's all just part of the job. And like you have the opportunity to learn from every situation. And production, it's like a sprint and a marathon in one race. So there's a lot of hurry, hurry, wait. But as long as you stay focused, you know, you can see yourself to the finish. I love it, man. We've reached that point on the show where it's time for our Abby Singer segment. Our guests can share a story or lessons learned, some sort of anecdote that sheds light on an interesting aspect of their job. Do you have something that you'd like to share with us? Yes. So I was on a job with this great producer who I still work with, he's always taught me that producers take care of problems. They just problem solve. So this was probably eight or 10 years ago when I just started coordinating. And um, it was just at the time when Canon 5Ds were being used for video. The shoot that we were doing, uh, it was a promo for AMC interview with the talent for you know a movie that they had coming out so we were going to talent's house you know once we got there we had access to figure out where we were going to shoot and we picked a place 
we had our DP there, a gaffer, you know, swing person grip. They were, you know, putting things up so that when magic hour came, because we were wait, we were, since we were shooting outside, we were waiting for the sun to set. And as everything was getting set up, the producer who was also directing said something about the cameras. And I went completely blue because I forgot the camera. Oh, no. I don't know why I didn't bring the camera because I had to go into the office to get everything else we needed, like sound blankets, grip clips, C stands and whatnot. And the camera was put in a locked part of the office. So I guess I loaded everything and completely forgot about the camera locked up and drove off. The office was in Santa Monica. We were shooting in like Silver Lake. So it was a long drive on a weekend at during rush hour. You have no idea like what the blood just rushed out of my whole body. It felt like I got pulled all of a sudden. My hands got clammy. I pulled the director to the side and I told him, I'm like, hey, listen, uh, I'm really sorry, but I didn't bring the camera. Now, he didn't flip out. He looked at me right in the eyes and he goes, okay, what are our options? He goes, can we rent a camera from a camera house? That wasn't an option because it was like 6.30 on a Sunday. Uh, are there any other places around where we could get a camera? And then our sound guy was kind of listening. He goes, you know what? My roommate has a 5D. He goes, okay, great. Where do you live? He goes, I live about 10 minutes away. So our sound guy jumped in his car, went to get the camera, brought it back. We set it up. He had batteries charged and we shot the interview with no problems at all. Bravo. So I guess the kind of the moral of the story was that the director that I worked with, who, as I mentioned, was also the producer. He always said that when you work on these jobs, you are meant to solve problems. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, he just really handled it professionally and just checked all the boxes like, what can we do? What are our options? And he figured out a solution. We took care of it. And, you know, no one knew there were any problems at all. A happy ending to what could have been a very tragic scenario. Nicely done, dude. I think all of us have experienced some version of that where we were responsible for screwing something up or forgetting something important. And I love how you just owned it and you considered the options with the producer. I love that message of just solving problems, getting it done. No better way to never make that mistake again, right? <laughs> yeah, never make that mistake again. I love it. Kiku, Denny, thanks, guys. This has been an amazing conversation. So many practical takeaways and helpful insights about the mindset of a production supervisor. I know we're just scratching the surface here, so Denny, we'd love to have you back on the show again soon, dude. Well, thank you for having me. You've been a great host. Thanks a lot. It was fun. And that's Taillights, folks, on another episode of Call Sheet. This show is brought to you by Elgin Entertainment. It is produced and hosted by Kiku Terasaki and me, Bryce Sirier, with support from our associate producer, Nathaniel Duber. I'm also the editor of the show, and our theme music is by Robert Mai. Our guest today was Denny Rubianez. We talked about the mindset of a production supervisor in leading the crew, key relationships with the producer and the accounting department, the importance of production manuals, and how to manage the budget effectively. 
Thanks again, listeners, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode and keep coming back for more. I'd love to remind you to please share the show with a friend or colleague and take a quick minute to leave us a review in whatever podcast app you use. We really do appreciate any feedback and support you can give us. Also, if you want to suggest a topic that you'd like to hear discussed in a future episode, please send it in. You can email us at callsheetpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media at callsheetshow. You should also check out our website for the latest content and news. That's callsheetshow.com. There are links to all of that and additional resources in this episode's show notes, so be sure to check those out. Remember to stay tuned for new episodes of Call Sheet every Thursday morning. And in the meantime, good luck and go make it happen.